Good morning, church. How's everyone this morning? So as John indicated, we're right in the middle of our Hope and Joy series, although the, uh, Christmas gets in the road, so we'll finish it off in the, in the new year. Um, but if you, if you remember, we've, well, this is what we talked for in the series, John started with a great talk about unlocking joy and talking about how joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And as, as you actually get to know Jesus more, you will just become more joyful and you'll, you'll um, increase joy and it will actually start to overflow and wash onto others. Who actually has found they've been laughing more? Yeah. It's good, it's good. And then uh, I did a talk on unlocking hope and talking about how, as Christians, we should be the most hope-filled people on the planet. And then Sandra uh, did a a really good talk uh, two weeks ago about unlocking words and shared really personally from uh, hers and John's experience going through uh, the, the health things that they've been facing and just saying that actually how we speak, even through these circumstances, is really important, and that it's a real power in, in how we speak and actually understanding the Word of God in behind what we say. And so this morning I'm wanting to talk about unlocking belief. So this morning it's about unlocking belief. And... Uh, and the... What the verse I want to look at this morning is really the foundational verse for the whole series that we're doing, and that is Romans 12, verse 2. And it, and it says this, that, uh, I'll jump straight to verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. And, you know, verse 1 talks about presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice to God, and it talks about surrendering to Jesus and giving our life to him and actually submitting to his leadership, which is uh, absolutely important as we start following Jesus. And verse 2 is really starting to talk about how we grow in maturity in Jesus, how we actually become mature Christians. And let me ask you something. Would you like to always be doing exactly what God wants you to do? Yeah. Do, I, do I have a yes? Yeah. The, you know, we are allowed to talk in churches. <laughs> and wouldn't this be the case when we're in God's good, pleasing, and perfect will? So Romans 12.2 tells us not only can we discover how we can be in God's good, pleasing, and perfect will, it tells us that we can actually prove when we are in it, and it also tells us how to do it. So we want to look at that this morning. And in this verse, we see that there's an actual juxtaposition between a conforming to the world's way, the world's way of thinking, the world's way of doing things, and actually being transformed into God's way of doing things. You know, we can either conform to the way the world does things, only looking for natural solutions to problems, self-seeking lifestyle, inappropriate behaviour, worried, lacking joy, lacking peace, and being politically correct. 
Or we can be living a kingdom of God lifestyle with supernatural solutions to problems, putting the needs of others above our own, living out of good beliefs, trusting in God, overflowing with hope, overflowing with joy, and overflowing with peace, and being God's kingdom-minded instead of politically correct. You know, we can either be a conformer or we can be a transformer. And this verse tells us that we don't move from conforming to transforming through our behavior. Yet, I think this is often the way we try to do it. We try to focus on our behavior, try to be better, try to actually do gooder things. And you know, acting this way just makes us religious. Good behavior is a good thing. So I'm not saying that we behave badly just for the sake of behaving badly. But behavior follows belief. This verse tells us that, that behavior follows belief. So we don't focus on the behavior, we focus on our belief. So the linkage between moving from being a conformer to a transformer is not our behavior. It isn't what we do, but it is what we believe. It is the transformation of our mind, transforming from world-based beliefs to God-based beliefs. It is this type of transformation that brings change. You know, the pattern of this world is contrary to God's pattern. It is a pattern based on lies. And the Bible says the devil is the father of all lies. Every thought and action that is contrary to God is based on a lie. And whenever we're outside of God's good, pleasing, and perfect will, it is because we are believing a lie. And believing lies puts us outside of God's best for our life. And this is why we need to go after, aggressively go after strongholds of lies and replace them with God's truth. Now, when we believe lies, our future is limited. Lies imprison us. They hurt and they cause damage. For example, if you believe the lie that people don't like you, then the result of that is that you're probably going to limit your exposure and interaction with other people. And this in turn imprisons you from having great relationships and it starts to lock you down. And you might lose hope and you might not exercise faith. And you'll miss out on so many great opportunities and others will miss out on the blessing that you could have been to them. That's just believing a lie that people don't like you. Maybe we should laugh at that. (laughs) When we believe truth, however, we are set free. Limitation is broken off. We glisten with hope and exercise faith. We walk into opportunities in favor. Other people are blessed through us. Jesus said the truth will set us free. And as you'll notice from the 40-day devotionals, there are four key areas that we've been focusing on during this series that we can grow in truth about. It's not an exhaustive list, but it is a great list. 
Now, the first is truth about who we really are in Jesus. Truth about ourselves, beliefs about ourselves. Second is truth about who God really is and how he sees us. The third is truth about other people. And the fourth is truth about our circumstances. And seeing truth replace lies in these four areas is truly transformational. And what are we doing when we exchange lies for truth? We're changing what we believe here and we're changing what we believe here. Now, belief is about as important as it gets when it comes to being a Christian. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is your, with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And here we can see a differentiation between faith and belief. Belief is internal and faith is external. Belief is internal and takes place in the heart. Faith is external and action. In this case, it is demonstrated through confession. You know, we're justified through what we believe and saved through what we confess. We need both belief and faith. Now, faith without belief is presumption, experimentation, and lacking power. And belief without faith is of very little value. The Bible says it might as well be dead if there's no action. Belief needs action to carry meaning. Belief internal and faith external action. And when we we consider this verse, we can see the importance of belief demonstrated with our salvation. Our salvation requires belief, but belief in what? First, we need to believe that God exists, that he rewards those who seek him. We need to believe that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to take the punishment we deserve, and that Jesus then rose from the dead, taking the keys of death with him, so that we can have spiritual life through the power of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. We need belief first for salvation. Once, believe, once we believe, then we can actually take action and receive our salvation through faith, through our confession of Jesus as our saviour. You know, belief and faith go hand in hand. We need them both. They work together. In fact, in a lot of places in the Bible, it's the same Greek word used for belief and faith. And this principle applies through all aspects of our life. Faith and belief need to walk hand in hand. Have you ever taken faith steps not really believing it would work and found you were right? When I was a, when I was a teenager, we, I grew up in Rangiora. We had a house in the West Belt. That, um, we lived in while I was teenagers. And, and Tony and I, uh, out the back of, from the back door of the house, there was some old stables that had been turned into sleepouts. And so Tony and I had a sleep out, which was great. We, um, there was a slight aside, one, one uh, summer I came back, I think I was about 13 years old, came back uh, from swimming down the Ashley River, and I said, Dad, why don't we build a pool? So he handed me a shovel, and he said, you dig a hole and I'll concrete it. <laughs> so I dug a hole, it was a big hole, it was a really big hole. <laughs> 
and we, we concreted that, and then we had a really good pool. So, so on a hot summer's night, we could just jump out of the sleep out, um, straight out and dive into the pool. It was great. <laughs> but the doors weren't brilliant on the sleep outs, and during winter, that wasn't flash. Um, good gaps at the bottom and the, and the top, but we were young. And I had a, a, a dog that would come and uh, jump onto my bed and sleep on my bed with me at night, which, which helped for keeping warm. But the problem is when the dog came into the room, he left the door open. <laughs> I could never train him to close the door. So one night I thought, right, I'm going to exercise some faith here. And I said, door, in the name of Jesus, be closed. <laughs> and so then I got up and closed the door. <laughs> But, you know, deep down, I never really believed that was going to happen, you know, and I had perfect ability being able to get up and close the door. But we can, we can take faith steps with not, and not really believing what we're actually taking the steps in. Yeah. And Jesus explained the principle of needing belief before acting in faith to his disciples after they tried to cast a demon out of a boy and weren't able to do it. Jesus came and rescued the situation, first of all. He cast the demon and healed the boy. But later, when they, the disciples were alone with Jesus, they said, well, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus gives this fascinating reply. He says, it's because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And the disciples often thought they needed more faith. In other places in the Gospels, they asked Jesus to increase their faith. And, you know, we've already said faith being an outward action, meaning they needed to do more to make something happen. Perhaps they thought they needed to speak louder or use better words to demonstrate stronger faith. Perhaps they needed to take greater risk. After all, we say faith is spelled R-I-S-K, and it is. But on several occasions, Jesus told the disciples, you only need a little faith. You just need enough faith to cause you to act. The mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds. Your faith only needs to be tiny, enough to act. Yeah. Um, I like roller coasters. Who, who likes roller coasters? Yeah. yeah, I love roller coasters. I, I do get a little bit nervous all the same. But I've learned a trick. You don't need faith when you're on the roller coaster because you're strapped in. You can't do anything about it at that point. All you need is enough faith to actually get on the roller coaster. And that's what Jesus is saying. You only need enough faith to actually cause you to act. Mustard seed size faith. The disciples didn't yet understand that although Jesus operated out of faith in the things he did, in behind this faith was incredibly strong belief. Belief in who he was and in what God could do. So Jesus told the disciples the problem wasn't their faith. After all, they had been acting in faith trying to cast the demon out, but it wasn't working. Jesus said the problem was their unbelief. The disciples needed a revelation of truth 
to break off the strongholds of unbelief which were limiting their future. And so often we'll, do, we'll be the same. We'll try faith steps because we've seen others do it, therefore we think it is what we're supposed to do, or perhaps people in leadership tell us to do something, so we do it, and yet we, didn't, we don't really believe what we're doing will work. Let me ask you a question, in fact, have a really brief discussion with your neighbour about this. Is it difficult in our community for us to share our faith and people to receive the good news about Jesus and start following him? What do you think? Have a quick discussion. Okay, so who, who thinks our community is difficult for people to get saved in? Yeah. Who thinks it's easy for people in our community to get saved? Okay, so there's a little bit of mix, which is, which is really good. But you see, what we believe about this question determines how we'll act. What we believe will determine the outcome. We might go and try an outreach activity because the church is doing it. You know, it's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be going out, sharing our faith and evangelizing. So we'll do it. Yet we don't really believe anyone will respond to what we are doing. Who, who went, at Love St. Albans at the start of this year, who went door knocking? I was one of them. Who went with the expectation of leading someone to Jesus when you went door knocking? Is there anyone here? I'm, I'm holding my hand down, by the way. Awesome. Well done. And we wonder why we don't actually lead someone to, to the Lord when we're going out and sharing our faith. It comes down to belief. Yet Jesus said this, look up. The fields are white for harvest. So what do we believe about this? Do we believe what our past experiences tell us, that it is difficult for people to get saved in this area? Or do we start to believe what Jesus says? Now, what we believe is the biggest determining factor of fulfilling God's purposes for our lives. It is also a principle God has built into the very fabric of the universe. And even secular studies confirm this. One of the things that we've been doing for a little while at work now is a, is a program called Salestar for training all our salespeople on how to get better. And it, you know, we are significantly up this year in turnover because of that. Um, and the sales star training is based on research done by a group called the Objective Management Group. And they've been researching salespeople for over 30 years and they have investigated more than 2 million salespeople worldwide. So you'd expect that they've got some fairly good data to base their... Uh, information and training on. And one of the principal things that they teach at the start of the course is that 80% of the success of a salesperson is determined by what they believe. 20% is training, 80% is by what they believe. 
What we believe determines if the mountains obstructing our future will be picked up and thrown in the sea or not. And Jesus uses the same illustration in the Gospel of Mark. In Mark 11, 22 to 24, it says, Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he has, uh, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And once again, we see that the key is belief, except here we see a further step. Our belief needs to be in alignment with Jesus. Did you know that we can be absolutely rock solid in our belief and absolutely out of alignment with God? We can be basing our beliefs on lies from our past. We can base our beliefs on what others say and be completely wrong. You know, we can even be basing our beliefs on the Logos Word of God and yet be out of alignment with Jesus. Why do I say that? You know, I love the Word of God. I, love, I read it every day, I study it regularly, and this is a good thing to do, and I'm not saying don't do that at all. I encourage everyone to do, that, do this. Now, the Word of God is our safety net for truth. But have you ever considered that the Pharisees knew more about God's Word than probably most of us? And yet they completely missed who Jesus was. They completely missed who Jesus was. What's the key here? Their scripture knowledge and study lacked life. The Pharisees' scripture knowledge and study lacked life. As Steve Beckland says, if we are just word, we dry up. If we're just spirit, we blow up. If we're spirit and word, we grow up. No, there is a better way than just studying the Bible out of head knowledge. We need a combination of the Word and the Spirit. What we need is the Rema, revelational, living Word of God taking part in our life. And we re- when we receive Holy Spirit, life-filled revelation, either from Scripture or aligning with Scripture, we will discover our beliefs are aligning with Jesus. Aligning our thoughts with God's thoughts takes us into our destiny and future. Would you like to know what future God has for you? Look at this verse. In John chapter 6 it says, Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Again, we see the importance of what we believe. Making sure our belief is centered in Jesus is to carry out the work of God. And this brings us full circle back to the Romans 12.2 verse we looked at in the beginning of this talk. Renewing our mind, changing our belief, and coming into alignment with Jesus mean we're carrying out God's work. Therefore proving what is good, pleasing, and perfect will is. Aligning our beliefs with Jesus and what he wants is key. And, you know, this is a little bit where mystery comes in. Did you know that mystery is built into the Romans 12, 2 verse? The verse says we're able to test 
and approve. And the Greek word for this is the word dokomazo. I have no idea if that's how you actually pronounce it, but it will do. Which means to experiment, to try, to test, to examine, and to discern. In other words, as we commit ourselves to relentless mind renewal, changing our beliefs, we embark on a discovery process. Discovering when our beliefs are in alignment with Jesus, because then we find ourselves in God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. And this discovery isn't a passive stance. It isn't sitting back doing nothing until we know we're in God's will or not. No, it's actually taking action, making decisions, doing things, taking mustard seed steps of faith and discovering what is in his will through the process. This verse actually implies it is a process, a discovery, a learning requirement for belief renewal. We see this again in the, in the book of Hebrews where it says, but solid food is for the mature who by consistent use or constant use have trained themselves to dis- distinguish good from evil. We gain maturity through practice. And as we practice, we're able to make up judgment, make judgment between good and evil. The mature have been renewing their mind with good beliefs. With practice, they've proven what is in alignment with God and what isn't. Let me give you an illustration from my own life. For most of my Christian life, I have been someone who believed he hadn't been designed for God encounters. Then God started revealing a tool to me which I have called sanctified imagination. Firstly, as a tool that has helped others encounter Jesus and hear him speak to them. And finally, as a tool that I found helped me encounter Jesus and hear him speak also. And there was a whole mind-renewing belief shifting that took place for me during that time. And as powerful as that shift was, um, that's not what I want to focus on for this illustration, is what happened next that I want to share. Most of you know I've written a book called Heaven's Door, through which I have regularly been humbled by the feedback I've received about the blessing it has been for people who have read it. And I'd never planned to write a book. I only just past school suit English with 58%. I didn't believe I had the skills to write a book. And I didn't believe I had anything unique and relevant to say. Then as I've been ministering to others through the sanctified imagination ministry and having my own experiences, I reached a point when I had to acknowledge that God was doing something powerful in me and through me. And one night, Denise and I were talking about what God was doing um, through the sanctified imagination, and Denise simply said, you should write a book. (laughs) Denise didn't think that what she said was prophetic. However, I did. I believe the Spirit of God witnessed with my spirit when she said it, so I believe that this was a word from God. You know, I so appreciate God partnering, partnering with me, me with Denise, who helps me so much more than I am on my own. I believe that God has spoken through Denise and started writing. A year later, the book Heaven's Door was published. And because I wrote a book, spinning off that belief, we now have a fledgling ministry called Encounter Ministries at SABC. And we've been and visited churches uh, carrying out that ministry. And it's a platform for blessing and ministering to other churches. And it gives a platform for Simon down there with his 
soap to speak, and I think we're going to hear him talking on that next year. It's, it's a fantastic talk. And you know, we have this 40 Days of Hope and Joy program we're now in the middle of. And that's just as a couple of examples. And I'm confident if I hadn't written the book, these other things also wouldn't have happened. And with the book, with Encounter Ministries at East ABC, with 40 Days of Hope and Joy, I've found myself right in the mid of God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I've been amazed, blessed, inspired, and humbled. But overall, loving it. But where did this chain of events actually start? It started when, with me changing my belief. Firstly, from someone who I believed wasn't designed to encounter God to someone who regularly encounters God and hears him speak regularly and frequently. And then from someone who didn't have the ability to write a book to someone who could and did. This is the power, the mystery, and the discovery of renewing our mind and aligning our belief with what Jesus is saying to us and about us. And as I close and the band comes, you know, Jesus doesn't leave us on our own to renew our beliefs. Now, the Word of God is powerful. It is powerful. And the Spirit of God, coupled with the Word of God, transforms us in shifting our beliefs. He's given us the Holy Spirit to enable us this to take for this to take place. John 16 says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Holy Spirit revelation is the most powerful thing I know for bringing mind renewal. During this 40 days program, we are learning about lots of amazing tools that also help achieve mind renewal, and I fully and unequivocally endorse the different things that we're learning through, through the series. But when God speaks truth to us, everything changes. When God speaks truth to us, everything changes. And when Elijah was in the cave and God revealed to him that things were 7,000 times better than he thought, you know, Elijah went into a cave, he was frightened, he was depressed, he was discouraged. God spoke to him, revealed to him that things were 7,000 times better they thought, and situations hadn't changed. The circumstance hadn't changed at all, yet he left in hope and in power because God spoke to him. Holy Spirit, Spirit revelation is incredibly important for shifting our beliefs. Just look at the power in this verse. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Let us not be people who are conformers, but let us become relentless transformers. People who know the Word of God are led by the Spirit, aligning their beliefs with Jesus and are in relentless, relentless pursuit of discovering God's good, pleasing, 
and perfect will. Let's stand.